Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello and welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. And joining me today is Denise Bossart. She is an author. She is a scholar. She is a person with a powerful message that that I felt compelled to share here at Live on Purpose Radio because it's one that I'm personally very passionate about as well. Denise, welcome to Live on Purpose Radio. Thank you, Dr. Paul. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Denise, your story uh, goes back to your childhood when you were, unfortunately, or you know what, I'll have to use that word very carefully because sometimes I, I, I believe our experiences are perfect for us for, for some greater purpose. Mm-hmm. But maybe we'll put that on pause for a minute because I was going to say, unfortunately, you were a victim of, of sexual abuse as a child. And this is something as a professional psychologist that I have, I have been very aware of, acutely aware of through my career, that this hurts kids. And sometimes they carry that hurt into their adulthood. They develop patterns of thinking that, that steal their joy. And you're on to some principles around this from your own personal experience, but also you've done a fair amount of, of academic work in this area as well. I know you've accomplished a PhD, to which for anybody who's done that, you understand that that's a very committed process to go through that. And so I want to acknowledge that up front too. You're coming from a rich abundant uh, resource base from your own experience, as well as the work that you've done professionally throughout your career. Tell us a little bit about your story so that we have the context of why you're so passionate about this topic. Sure. So I was sexually abused by my grandfather or my mother's father, and it started when I was very young. As a person with a post-traumatic brain. It's hard to actually put those experiences of the abuse in the timeline of my other normal life. And so I can't tell you exactly when it happened. I know from the memories that I have, kind of what size I was relative to the adults in my life, but it started very young and it continued until he died when I was a freshman in high school. And so it was during those really important critical periods of your life as a child, when you're starting to form your personality, you're starting to understand how the world works and how you relate to the world. And everything I learned about myself was that I was a bad person. I deserved what I was getting. I was unlovable. All these messages were what I was receiving. And I learned the world was not a safe place. Here's this person who's supposed to love me, who's doing all of these horrible things to me, And so that got ingrained into me. I I started before the abuse started. I started off as a curious, really outgoing, expressive kid. And when the abuse started, my personality just changed. I became a complete introvert, just so full of shame. And I didn't really consciously remember 
all the things that were happening to me. I think my brain was just trying to deal with that as well as it could as a kid. And I wasn't aware of what was happening consciously, but I knew I was afraid of this person. I was terrified of him. Didn't want to sit next to him at a family dinner. You know, I didn't want to be alone with him. And so that continued until he died when I was a freshman in high school. And then I guess my mind and brain decided it was safe. But all of a sudden, the, the box opened up and here came all the memories and the body memories and the flashbacks and overwhelm set in for sure. Wow. So that's kind of up to that point in time in my life. And again, it was defining my personality. My personality was based on shame and hiding and secrets and being afraid of the world. And then I just had to try to figure out how to live through that. And from the outside, no one would have known what was going on. We looked like a normal family. I looked like a normal kid. I was doing really well in school except that inside I was miserable and fearful and full of shame. Which is such a common story. I know you've talked to a lot of people, especially as you've uh, created this book and you've put yourself in a position to actually be seen as someone who knows something about this topic. Uh, and, And you're finding, I'm sure, as I have through my career, that the story you're sharing with us here today is all too common. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't often want to talk about it because it's kind of the nasty, yucky underbelly of humanity mm-hmm. when, we, when we get into abuse topics, but it is also so common. And as you were describing this, that, you know, your family looked totally normal from the outside and no one would have ever known or thought or suspected that this thing was going on, but but it was, and it was having a profound impact on you. Yeah, and once I had that realization in high school, at first I really thought I, there was something wrong with me mentally, that I, I must not be actually remembering true things. But then I started realizing how I felt about him, how I had interactions with him, and all kind of clicked and came together. But I was still so filled, filled with shame that I couldn't tell anyone. My, I didn't tell any teachers. I didn't tell my parents. And instead... I just absorbed myself in school and band and basketball and scholastics to keep so busy that I didn't think about it. That obviously was not a healthy way to heal from what had happened to me, but it was the only way I could think of in my isolation that I created for myself on how to deal with it and move forward. So it wasn't until college that I actually started getting help and started getting therapy. A a boyfriend uh, recommended I get some help when I shared what was going on. So that's when I started my first individual therapy that therapist got me in a group of women who were survivors, which was phenomenally helpful to be able to talk to people, see other people on their journey, and see people who are further along. That would give me hope that I could get somewhere out of this misery and suffering, because that was really what pushed me to get help. I, I could see other people, and they seemed to be living joyful lives. I'm like, why can't I have that? There's something inside of me that just would not give up on myself, would not give up on the possibility of having a better life. And I knew I wanted it. So that's what moved me into the space where I could ask for help and start getting some help that I needed. Yes. It's almost like the question changed from why can't I to how can I? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then, and that launched you on a healing journey. I wanted to comment about something else you said too, though, because as this young young woman really in high school, as you started to come into that phase of your life where, where you're defining yourself more clearly and trying to understand your experience, 
you had the resources that you had, but part of the abused brain uh, limits you sometimes from the kind of thinking that can break you out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that thinking perpetuates some of these dysfunctional cycles that we see until finally, as you described in college, uh, you were able to connect to some other resources that you didn't even know existed at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you mentioned the the group of women that you got connected with, um, I've I've shared with so many clients. Look, you're not as crazy as you feel. <laughs> yeah. And when you connect to other people who have gone through a similar thing, it's like, oh, okay, maybe. Maybe this isn't just about me. Maybe this is about some bigger thing that we all need to collectively address a little differently. And it shifted the perspective I had about who my grandfather was, what he had done, what our relationship was, what it should have been. You know, grandparents, mm-hmm. you expect them to love you and hug you and kiss you and spoil you, you know, and that was not my experience. And and just to be able to talk to women about their experiences, realize, okay, it's not just me. I'm not this right. horrible, mm-hmm. worthless person that I was taught uh, that I instilled uh, in that personality that I developed to be that person. It started to shift my idea of who I was, who I could be, because these women were sharing their same stories. And I also joined a Survivors of Incest Anonymous group, which is parallel to Alcoholics Anonymous. And that was astounding to me because there were men in this group. And in fact, there was a gentleman who was the age of my grandfather when he abused me, who was a member of the group, and he had been abused by his mother. So all of these things started just opening my mind up to the possibilities that, you know, here I locked myself in this tiny little isolated, dark place of misery and shame. And all of a sudden, you know, some of the the light started coming in from these experiences to help me see that there was more than what I had experienced more than what I had defined myself. And I could start exploring that. And then I had a right to do that. I, I deserve that, you know, to find a better way to live. And so these things sort of came together in this pivotal time when I was really exploring as a, an adult outside of my home of origin as a college student, I had that freedom to explore and really learn more about myself and start defining. I literally sat down and said, what behaviors do I not like? What don't I like about myself and how I'm behaving with my friends, with uh, partners, how I'm showing up in the world? What don't I like? Let me figure out what I want to change. Let me read some books. Let me go to therapy. Let me figure out who I want to be because I think that I can I can do the hard work that's required. I know I can. I've gone through school and I'm committed to hard work. Let me figure out what that hard work is and let me start doing what I need, sticking affirmations on stickies on my mirror, whatever it is that I need to do to just start inundating myself in these positive affirming messages to replace some of those messages that I had carried with me for so long. The, the shift again, it's like what we talked about just a moment ago from why can't I to how can I, and then being willing to put the work in to do it, mm-hmm. which I'm glad you mentioned Denise, because this is not some kind of a magical, Oh, just, you know, take this pill or join this group and you're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there's some work that is required to reprogram our brain because what's keeping us captive is our thinking. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at your book title, which is thriving after sexual abuse, colon, break your bondage to the past. 
and live a life you love. Break your bondage to the past. The past has no power over you except in your current thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I discovered for myself that there's an image on the front cover of my book of a broken ball and chain. And I had always felt like I was chained to my grandfather, chained to, chained to the abuse that I was experiencing, living in the past, putting all my energy in, fighting that experience, putting it out of my mind. And of course, it just means it's festering behind the scenes. And it's, it's coming out in ways that I'm not even conscious of that's impacting the way I experience the world and how much joy I can have in the world. And at one point in time in my healing journey, I literally had this visualization of that chain breaking. And it came over me that instead of all this drama and trauma, I was doing to myself over and over again by keeping my focus on the past, all I had to do is simply break that chain and put all that energy into me, all that energy into moving forward and doing what I could. And it was transformational. So that's that's why that image is on the cover of my book. And the book also has a red rose growing up through that broken chain because Red to me, a red rose is about love, but it's love for me. Learning to love myself, which yes. was, I never imagined possible. But also I wanted the rose because it has thorns and thorns are necessary for good boundaries. We don't want to go to another extreme in our behavior. We want to set good boundaries, have a healthy boundary system, but also learn to self-actualize into our authentic self that we can be if we put our energy into the present and future rather than the past. Yes. Uh, Denise, your experience is so valuable and your story so powerful. As we come back from this break, I would like to learn more about that healing journey and what are the practical things that we can apply to break our own bondage from the past. Folks, this is Denise Bossart at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your positivity to a whole new level? I've been enjoying these conversations with my guests at Live On Purpose Radio. My own story about becoming more positive is something that I've shared in my book, Pathological Positivity. And right now I'm giving the book away. You just pay for the shipping. Go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and click on the big orange button right there that will get you a free copy of my book. You pay the shipping, I'll pay for the book. Sound like a good deal? Power up your positivity and get ready to see phenomenal changes in your happiness, your relationships, your business, every aspect of life. Enjoy this free gift from me. DrPaulJenkins.com. And we're back. Denise Bossart at Live On Purpose Radio today, sharing her powerful experience. Denise, I, I, I was thinking during our break that although this is in the context of your having been, been a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, Within the family, I mean, that makes it even more complicated for a lot of reasons. But that's simply the context. The principles that you learned as you started your healing journey, I think, can apply to so many other contexts of what we run into in our life, in our relationships. And that becomes very evident as we start to identify what those principles were. 
as you embarked on this healing journey, um, I can tell that your awareness made a big difference as you started to, we, we talk here at Live on Purpose about metacognition, you know, thinking about our thinking and becoming aware of those thought patterns that are actually the things that are keeping us stuck. The past doesn't exist. It's gone. It's, that's why we call it the past, right? <laughs> it has passed. Uh, and so our current thinking has a lot to do with it. And I'm guessing that your healing journey had something to do with an intentional process where you, you began to reprogram that thinking. Can you share with us a little bit about what that healing journey has been like for you and maybe some of the practical applications that you've found to these principles? Sure. So I, I mentioned going into individual therapy and group therapy, and I think that's absolutely critical for, for anyone. You don't have to be severely traumatized through some of these experiences. I think it's beneficial to anyone that has questions in their in their life or they want to transform their life in some way. And it's wonderful to have a, a trained person who's neutral uh, about your situation, who can help you see more clearly. And as you said, be able to look inward in a more objective way about what we're doing, how we're feeling, how our thoughts are, are dictating our life and can help us make some shifts. So I, I think that's really critical in my mind to get that assistance that we need and if there's a group that's appropriate for your particular life circumstances, I think that that support is unbelievably important to have. And we're really in a wonderful time with the internet that you can have telehealth, you can find experts who aren't local to you that will be able to work with you through Zoom or other or video means. And so you can find individual therapists, you can find groups that you can connect with and that is, was a huge step for me. And I think that's a very practical thing for people to do for themselves is to explore those avenues. Mm -hmm. I read a lot of self-help books. I have what I call a healing library that I reference in my book and my website. And I think it's great for people to go get the books and work through it. You know, you have a fabulous book people can use and whatever you can find that resonates with you. For me, every person's journey is unique. Every person's journey is an individual process and you have to explore that on your own. You can get ideas and hints like my book. I, I tell you different things that I've tried and I lead you through some questions you can journal on to figure out for yourself what you think might work for you. But I think that's something people need to be open to exploring that they can create their own healing journey. They just need to start building sort of a toolkit of, of things to put together. So some of the toolkits that I had was yoga practice, which was tremendously transformational for me because it got me to be more aware and present in my body to actually stop hating my body and move to a place of acceptance and even loving and respecting my body. So that was critical. Meditation was a, another wonderful practice that I did. Um, it was a breath-based meditation and it was something that helped me work with my mind and working with those thoughts and how I could not attach to those thoughts that I could actually get rid of my grandfather's voice and the perfectionist voice that I had developed and learn to find my true authentic voice and some peace in that place. And so those were some really strong, important things. But for me, what I found was being out in nature was really uh, very helpful in healing. And there's a lot of studies now that show how critical being in nature can be to the healing process. And then doing exercise, physical exercise, 
whatever form that takes for you. If it's walking, biking, hiking, all kinds of things to explore there. And then I also got into creative arts. I'd always been kind of an artistic kid. So I started writing poetry and just taking art classes for fun and trying to get back in touch with that little kid that had grew up too fast, that I wanted to learn how to be expressive and free and explore and be creative. And for me, it eventually came, photography was my, my big practice, but anyway, people can be creative. And, and I try to let people know it doesn't have to be this little box of you can draw and paint. It's, can you bake? Can you knit? Can you sew? Can you work wood? Can you garden? Whatever it is that you're creating and expressing yourself and bringing something out into the world, whether you share it with anyone else or not, that is really an important practice for people. And I talk about pampering yourself. You don't have to spend $500 at a spa. You could buy some candles and, and some bubbly soap and really take a moment to honor and respect and treat yourself. Because so much of the time when we're in a bad space mentally or emotionally, we just beat ourselves up. We beat ourselves up. We blame ourselves. We shame ourselves. And when I started actually making it a practice to say, what can I do to be nice to myself? Whether it's some beautiful flowers to look at, uh, something nice that smells great as a candle, whatever it is, that it's just a little reminder of what I can experience joyfully. I brought that into my life. And so there was all these different things I started putting together that I think people can explore what is it that brings you joy? That's a big piece of my book. What is it that brings you joy? Because those are the things you want to have more of, you want to encourage, you want to recognize and make that happen more often in your life. The very last phrase in your, your book title is live a life you love. And that's what you're describing here. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even reference the abuse that happened. No. Because that is irrelevant at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, I say that with caution because I know that it's a big deal when, when we're dealing with abuse and overcoming. And I, I would never want to deny the pain and the difficulty and the injury that occurs when a child is abused. Having said that, what are we going to do now? And what you're describing to us, Denise, is take hold of your present, not your past. Mm-hmm. Past is past. Take hold of your present and, and create a life where you can experience joy. We don't need to let the past rob us of our present. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm hoping in sharing my story and, and my book with examples of what to do, encouraging people to answer some questions I have to help them explore their own healing journey, that it'd really be shifting. You know, as a person who was abused, I learned the language of victim. And for a long time, I thought of myself as a victim. And then I learned the language of survivor. Things kind of shifted in the world and people were talking about being survivors, which was a step in the, in, away from being a victim. I was getting some agency and empowerment But survivor means in reference to that past experience, right? You survived X, I survived abuse. And I just didn't want to get through my life surviving. And then in my title, my book, Thriving, it's about being a thriver, getting to that place of joy and experiencing what you want. Now, we're always going to have a residue of whatever that trauma was. It never completely leaves us, but we build resilience. We build resources. We build experiences that anytime something comes up that might have triggered us or kind of rocked us a little bit, we are constantly moving in a place where we can 
deal with that in a better, stronger way and not be afraid of those things happening because we've gained confidence in our own strength and our own capabilities and our joyful life. Right. Can I ask you a, a fairly specific question about your healing journey? Mm-hmm. I love the focus of positivity and, and taking hold of your present and living a, a life you can love. And I'm guessing that you've also experienced some of the nagging voices. You know, the ones that I'm talking about, that the, the ones that you practiced so much in the past, those voices mm-hmm. of inadequacy, those voices of not being good enough or having to constantly strive for some impossible standard of perfection. What do you do with those How do you combat that as you're on this healing journey? Well, I think that for me, what transformed it was when I learned a way of approaching it where you can say, okay, recognize that those behaviors, those voices, they were trying to help you during those bad times. They were trying to help you get through that. And that was just the way you knew how to deal with things. And so in a way, I've learned to say, well, thank you for wanting to help me but I don't need that kind of help anymore. You're, you're, you served your purpose. I appreciate what you've done, but I'm ready to move on to something else. So you can, you can kind of quiet down now. And just giving them some you know, kind of respect about the fact that they were trying to do something in a really dysfunctional way to say, you know, I appreciate you did the best you could at the time. I'm a different person and I don't need that approach anymore. I'm going to replace that language with something else and then start like I said in, in the break, that we need to find languaging that works for us, affirmations or positive statements that we can keep with us. And then we can start bringing that in and saying it to them. I literally had to say things to myself. You're a good person. You know, it's, you know, we make jokes about looking in the mirror and saying positive things, but that really works because you're recognizing yourself and acknowledging to yourself, to your core self, that you're a good person. You deserve happiness and love. And you can be the person you want to be. And it's those repeated messages to ourselves that either we say to ourselves that we bring into our lives, that we continually make part of our lives. Those start to rewire our brains. And then the shift happens for us, that those voices get quiet, they go away, and we start to hear the positive messages that we continue to bring to ourselves. Yes. It does take some practice, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It, Determination, because, dedication, you know, it, it's hard work, but the, that what's the alternative? The alternative is being miserable and being stuck in the past. Well, if I had the strength to survive that, I have the strength and the determination to move past it and give myself yes. that gift. And do a little reprogramming. Be mm-hmm. ready for the work. Don't, don't shy away from this just because it's hard work. Anything worthwhile, I think, does require some work and some effort. And so I appreciate your acknowledgement of that. Denise, your book is called Thriving After Sexual Abuse, Break Your Bondage to the Past and Live a Life You Love. Um, this has come out fairly recently at the, at the time of this recording, released, I think, in April of 2021. Is that correct? Yep. I purposely released it in April because that is two big uh, things they're celebrating during that month. So uh, Sexual Assault Awareness Month is April as well as Child Abuse Awareness is is in April. So I wanted to release my book coinciding with those two big topics. 
And if people want to connect you, and I know you do a lot of writing, you're appearing on, on podcasts like this, where else can, can folks connect you if they want to follow a little more closely what it is that you're doing? Sure, you can learn more about me and my book and, as you said, the other podcasts and articles I've written on my website, so thrivingaftersexualabusebook.com. And then I'm on social media, of course. I'm on Facebook at Thriving After Sexual Abuse and on Twitter, I have the handle Am Thriving After, and then I'm on um, Instagram, Me To Heal. So the main website is Thriving After Sexual Abuse Book dot com. Yep. And from there, they can connect to all of the other places where where Denise Bossart shows up. That's right. And you've got the links there on the website to all the major book distributors, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple, so on. So it's a one-stop shop. You can find everything you need there. Well, Denise, thank you so much for your contributions here today. You've, you've shared some principles that I think are very empowering and potentially healing for a lot of folks. Thank you for that. Well, thank me for the opportunity to come and talk with you and share this. I hope we're inspiring some people to to start doing some things for themselves to help heal themselves. And dear listener, if you have felt that, if you've had any inclination of something that you might be able to do, now's the time to do it. Let's all go live on purpose. 